Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me. My guest today is artist Darian Roniak. Uh, Darian is from Saskatchewan, Canada, and he makes these these drippy, trippy pop culture pieces that you got to kind of see to believe. And don't worry, I'm going to show them through the episodes. You can check them out. He's learning now how to be a tattoo artist. I think this dude can do anything. He's supporting he's supporting himself full-time through his art, so we get to say Articulate Ox Gold Star for that because that's a tricky thing to do, and he pulled it off. So congratulations on that, Darian. I absolutely love this guy's work. It's so familiar yet new at the same time and it's so crisp and it's just we talk about his attention to detail on this and in this episode and it's it's I I I must tip my cap to you Darian because he is he's a real craftsman of what he does and I envy that and um you know you know maybe it'll inspire me to try a little harder to uh get some of the exact smoothness that this dude can do but check out his work his commission list I think is pretty long so it's probably not open now but um I'm recording this a few months before it'll be released so who knows maybe it will be just don't cut me in line so thank you so much check out his uh his um Instagram page and all that good stuff which will be under his name during the episode and in the show notes thank you peace Welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast, which started with a technical difficulty that you did not see. My guest today is artist Darian Woroniak. I got that right? You did. All right, sweet. Now, I've been following Darian for a long time on Instagram. Um, I feel like I'm yelling. His art is so freaking dope, and we're going to talk about it. So what's going on today, Darian? Uh, nothing. Uh, Fridays, I go and I work at a weed shop with my buddy on the weekends. Sweet. Just for Friday, Saturday, so I don't really have anything to do during the day. I kind of take it off. That's uh, that's yeah. very nice. What's the weed situation like up there in Saskatchewan? Uh, I mean, legal weed's legal weed. I've always kind of been a big fan of the black market and still am. But yeah. uh, it's, it's fun selling weed to people. You see, like, a whole, the whole spectrum of people, that's for sure. Whether yeah. it's, you know, 80-year-old ladies coming in for CBD or CBN to sleep or just, like, you know, you're your burnouts and then like homeless people, just everyone, man. It's never yeah. a dull moment. Yeah. It's funny too about the black market that I found is that the black market now, like a lot of it has like real packaging. Like yeah. I, it's like, like it looks like something that, I mean, I'm sure it's made by some of the same people and just like, whatever, I'm not going to get into the, you know, the get indicted hotline over here, but like, it's um like you're like the black market stepped it up and it's it's i don't know man, oh, yeah. what a time to be alive what a time to be for alive. sure and it's like it the black market's so uh flooded and oversaturated with um with overstock now from from the legal market yeah so yeah. that's why like yeah it's like now there's like 60 dollar ounces everywhere which was unheard of like five years ago the other thing too that I found that I just had this, I went to a dispensary this earlier today at the end of my street. And I was like, there's no other store where I get more sorts of errors on pricing. Like they, I asked for one thing that was like twice the strength of what they gave me. And then I realized after that, like, even though they showed me the package that they didn't actually have what I needed. So they just gave me double of it for free. Like here, go right ahead. I'm just like, this is oh, what? Yeah. So I ended up walking out with like the deal of the century when I started adding up like the milligrams and stuff. So I sound yeah, like definitely. I sound like Joe the Pot said over here, but whatever. It's actually <laughs> oh terrible. yeah, preaching to the choir. I've been like kind of trying to take a break, and only smoking at night right now, just because I overdo it. Yeah, yeah, I try to only do like edibles now, and I start um like you know maybe like in the evening, and I, I kind of like the giggly feeling it gives me. Unlike like the, yeah. the smoking doesn't really give me that anymore. So. Oh yeah, yeah. But all right, as much as I'm sure both of our art is weed inspired to some degree, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some pictures of your stuff, flash it up on the screen um, during the um, the interview, and people can get a look at it. So just to, um, I could give a quick description of what you do, but it's probably better that you you probably do it yourself. But um, why don't you take it from oh, here? It's probably better that you do it. I'm not good at describing it. I'm just like right. I just do drippy shit. <laughs> I'll go from my perspective, and you can fill in the blank. So. <laughs> I you you sort of take pop culture um pop culture characters that we've all seen. There's one behind me actually. I put up one of your pictures on my screen though. It's a little tough to see. This is my man Scrooge McDuck, I guess, oh, yeah. or some version yeah. of Scrooge McDuck. And um, you just sort of add a drippy psychedelic quality to it and just kind of flip it up. Um, just kind of parody it. I would say is the word. Yep. And um, just add this whole trippy appeal to it, but. 
what you do that really impresses me is that you don't lose any of the crispness of yeah. the original material. And we're, you know, when, when you talk about these classic cartoon characters, they're, they're very crisp. The littlest little bit of like Milhouse's nose being the wrong size kind of throws mm -hmm. you in a little bit of cognitive dissonance. And you're doing yeah. that with your, with the psychedelic stuff, but you're still managing to keep the form. And that's, I think to me, what really ties it all together. So yeah, we're on about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, and so, like, what I do is I draw my original reference, like, as exact as I can and modify after the fact, and that's kind of how I keep the form. So I'm not really, like, adding drips kind of as I'm drawing. I make sure the original reference is, like, fucking perfect first, and then then I can start kind of adding the modifications and seeing where things should should lie and other other things. <laughs> that's cool. So do you draw by hand first, or do you do this on, a, on like, a tablet? iPad, yeah, generally iPad. Uh, right now, I'm drawing a lot on paper because just the the traditional tattoo stuff just feels better on paper, and I missed it. Yeah, just drew on my iPad. So. Yeah, I flip back and forth between that, and it's like, do you wear one of these like little like two finger gloves when you're drawing on an like an iPad? No, I have before. I just lose shit like that like constantly. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, this thing's been um, I have a, I use a paper like screen, and I also turn the uh, a lot of the gesture 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 shit off on yeah. like procreate so like my hand doesn't like make a paint stroke and stuff like that oh shit i should look at so, that. like yeah you can actually turn it so like there you can't like the only thing that will paint a paint stroke is the pencil oh cool and so like you can still move it around with your hands and stuff but you can never like actually like do a a brush stroke with your hand it's funny i use one of the like the wacom tablets this thing back here and I, you draw on the screen they're like the pen has 90 zillion types of sensitivity i'm like i probably use three i probably should start googling this shit because you know yeah, there's a never ending that that's awesome yeah and, pretty... I, and, like custom brushes i gotta start getting into that yeah yeah i know that's all kind of over my head i've tried a little bit but i like i stick to what stick my guns generally yeah that's the cool thing even about stuff like Photoshop is you can make a living using like 5% of what Photoshop has to offer. Yeah. It's, it's pretty yeah. crazy. You know, not that yeah, it's like I'm designing but... cartoons with hard shades. It's pretty, I only really need one to three brushes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what really um, got you into that? Like, actually, you know what? I want to go back to one more second. This is the question I was rumbling for. This is something I've been struggling with. So I'm going to take a second to get a lesson here. When you're doing these really, these curved lines, like the perfect curve of like the eyes and stuff like that, are you like drawing that by hand on, on the um whatever surface or are you using like a pen tool where you're bending an arch? Um, A little bit of both. I'm pretty old school where I like to, like if I'm on the, if I'm on the tablet, I'll draw that circle or arch like probably four to seven times before I'm happy with it. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I use the snap, um, but sometimes it just doesn't have the exact shape I want, even with even modifying the arch. So I just try to draw it first yeah. in, one, in one swipe as much as I can. Trying to describe to like somebody who isn't an artist, how like a curved line can have personality is like kind of a strange thing, but there's something to that where you're like, Oh, that, that line of, of like the duck bill doesn't quite have the personality or moat the way that you want it to. And it's like, it's a little as difference makes the biggest impact for people. It is know. for sure. Yeah. Especially with like iconic characters, like they're set in people's brains. So they have to be like damn near perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what got you into otherwise it'll be like, that doesn't look right. It's like, it's like, drawing someone's face that you really know or your own face you're like that doesn't look right right or when you see a really ganky tattoo that the person that looks like like a um tijuana bootleg of like bart simpson or something yeah. like it's you're like, yeah. like you know it's, yeah. it's rough yeah, you can just tell because it's especially like characters like the simpsons are so iconic everyone knows them it's burned into our brains yep yep so yeah. what are your like artistic roots where like how, when did you start making art in your life and what like what was your original medium um started making art I, my dad's always been a very artistic dude so he kind of we always drew together when i was young and i was always a big doodler in high in uh, elementary school and making like flip comics out of sticky notes and shit like that yeah but like the first real artistic venture i took was painting warhammer i think the first thing that actually like really like owned me in and like made me hyper focus on it and now, I are those just, like little know, figures yeah yeah I, yeah, I follow somebody who I was having. I I wasn't familiar with that, but I had a random conversation with him about it because it looks so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, 
it's a crazy detailed art form that's for sure because they're so yeah. small and there's so many little details to do and that kind of got me i think a bit of an eye for detail and precision yeah. and just doing that and then also like learning how to build layers and be patient yes that's a big <laughs> part of it for sure yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, what percentage of your of things that you start do you usually finish? Because I think that that's something that's a misconception I have. I mean, some artists finish everything, but I find a yeah. lot of people get frustrated that everything isn't always up to the quality of their highest work. I probably, mm -hmm. I'd say a third of the things that I, that I start and get maybe like at least a tenth of the way done, I abandon just because I'm like, this isn't. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm like, like, honestly, probably 75, 80%. That you, that you, that you um, hold on to or that you abandon? No, that I finish. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so you yeah I got well. a pretty high completion rate because like most of my work like for the last few years has been commission work. So yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because you're sort of um you're living that dream of doing the art that you want to do and getting paid for it and having yeah. a, a decent commission list. So you are one of the um you're one of the ones that broke on through to the other side. So congratulations about that. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh it was definitely a journey because I drywalled. I was a drywall finisher for seven, eight years and kind of painting and drawing at night. Um, and then eventually I was just like, I don't want to drywall anymore. Hopefully yeah. I can just commit and hit it hard. And I started and it's still a struggle, man. Like, you know, some months are, I don't know if I'm going to make rent, so I got to do something to do it. And, yeah. And just kind of get that hustle motivation going. But I've been pretty fortunate with uh, a really good group of collectors and supporters, That's which awesome. has been huge. And a lot of that started in the cannabis industry and in the black market cannabis industry. Oh, really? Can you tell yeah. us some of that story? Yeah. Like, um, just met a few, like really, really awesome people who loved my shit and, uh, were kind of willing to promote it and pay me like good, like lots of money to, for bigger pieces and pump my prices up. So that really helped. Um, and then you got a lot of exposure for them because they obviously were telling me or telling all their friends and everything. And, yeah, kind of just like sold to some higher level, higher level wholesalers and whatnot like that. And then so everyone they sell to kind of inevitably wants what they have. Yeah. And it kind of just creates this big network. It's been pretty cool. Yeah. How do you navigate? I'll go for it. Keep going. And then branched out into like a few other industries like the like the rave rave community and stuff like that kind of got me in there as well. Yeah. And yeah. That was my scene back in the day. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, how do you, so when you deal, how do you sort of handle pricing with something like that? So in terms of like when you're, you're at whatever level you're at trying to sell it when you don't really have those connections and then they start moving along, do you sort of like, how do you decide how to price it as you're getting that greater exposure? Is it? Um, I, I've always been a solid believer of start at one and work your way up. So like I've, I've always done that. It's been a slow incline since I started and uh, you know, the more supply and demand, like the more people who want something, like you increase your prices. Yep. yep. Yeah. And so it's pretty much pretty basic model that way is like, okay, I'm starting to get more attention, more requests, more of this commission list long. I can be like, Oh, my commission list is six months. And that kind of creates, you know, some sort of an appeal. Yeah. Yeah. So basically just like that. And then with people being like, this is some serious work, like you should charge more for like those collectors that I had. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, well, if you're willing to pay more, like, let's go. I know. That's always a good sign when the people that are spending the money are willing to tell you, are telling you that, that you should be charging more. You're like, okay, that's, you know, they actually yeah. know because they're the ones that, you know, have their, their wallets out. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I have, you know, there's a, a sea of people or tell, who also tell you your shit's too expensive and it's just like, well, then don't buy it. <laughs> it's like, whatever. It's, it's because it does, it takes... There's that famous story about the person who saw Picasso in like a cafe and asked him to draw like something on a napkin and, and then charge whatever, whatever he thought it was worth. And she he drew like yeah. a little thing and was like, yeah, it's like five grand. She's like, what? <laughs> it took you no time. He's like, yeah, but I'm, that's like, that's like, you know, all yeah. the years it took me to get here and be me. It's like a lot of people don't appreciate that, you know? Yeah. You know, um, so do you remember the first piece that you sold or the first feeling you got that the first realization you had that this is that you're making something that people would want to buy? Um, there was a few when I used to do graffiti and sell kind of shitty canvases then, but I think it really started. Uh, I went to rehab in 
2013. And then when I was in there, I kind of started getting some attention from people. And then they wanted when to start in doing... rehab. Yeah. From people in the rehab or people outside of the rehab. Yeah. In and around. Yeah. In and around the rehab kind of started wanting pieces. So I do pieces for like 30 to 80 bucks. That's usually not when people launch a career. That's, that's, um, that's, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of built a small group of collectors in there and then, but I was still like, it wasn't like full-time. It was just making like nothing off of it almost, but I was still loving it and uh, doing drywall. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. What's... So that kind of was like, oh man, there's quite a few people who want paintings. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like, how did you, how did you arrive at the style that you, that you're doing now? I mean, did it start with a more, is, you're, I'm guessing you're sort of like me where I grew up drawing Garfield on everything. That was my character. And then yeah. I always wanted to be a cartoonist. I was obsessed with how cartoons worked and it blew my yeah. mind. They had to draw that many pictures. Like how did you get from wherever you started there and your love of it to, um to the version of you're doing now? I'm trying to think of what like really was the first piece that clicked like I started doing cartoons and I remember I did like a Rick and Morty piece or something and then that like got a lot more attention than I was used to and I was like oh people really love like this yeah pop art shit right and things that are nostalgic and things that uh like people can relate with and then so I just kind of started drawing more and more cartoons and when did I make them drippy I started with hollowing out the eyes so like just no iris no pupil hollow eyes and that's kind of like okay this has got a creepier vibe to it i like it and then started kind of making modifications like that and i think drips kind of just came naturally with that progression so one so i i'm i'm trying to picture i'm looking at one of your pieces now on the screen um is the one it was, it was the one where you're sitting in front of it with the yellow hoodie from an article and um uh, oh yeah. See, yep. Yeah. And I'm trying to get a gauge of what that's really made out. I mean, I'm doing a really, really good job. I'll probably put it on the screen. But um, what are you doing your art on? It seems like some sort of a like a board or because a lot yeah. of them are they're they're die cut, so they're they're cut to the the frame of the character. Yeah, yeah. So I do that with jigsaw and uh, jigsaw and scroll saw, and it's MDF. So MDF? just like. MDF, yeah. So like particle board, it's just like oh, what like you know most cabinets and desks and shit are made out of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's that? So how did so did the drywalling help you learn how to cut so accurately? Because it's one thing to draw really accurately, but to cut seems like an entirely different skill. Uh no, drywall didn't do any of that because I was a I'm a I was a mutter and taper. So And you're probably not really... doing a lot of like drywall in the shape of like Millhouse's head either. So you know No, honestly, I just taught myself. Like I was just like buy a jigsaw, make it happen. <laughs> So this is like a like an analog saw, right? It's not like even an electric oh, yeah. saw. Holy! Oh uh, no, no, it's analog. I mean, it's it's electric. Yeah, yeah. it's a jigsaw. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know saws, but like that's. Oh um... yeah, it's probably like just like one of the like handheld ones with a little blade on it. That you kind of run like. Yeah. 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 And then for the really smaller stuff, I use a scroll saw, which is just like a mini band saw. Basically, it's like got a set blade, and you push through. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, did you, I'm, I'm guessing you probably started with, you know, 2D, right? Like just like digital or, or drawings. And then what was it that made you start going towards this, the, the bigger piece of actually making it on the wood and, um, you know, how'd you make that jump? Um, I don't know, when was the first one I did? I just really liked, I liked, I think I saw a piece somewhere, I'm not sure which one, but I really liked the way it looked on a wall as it, like cut to form. Yeah, because you get different shadows, especially if you got a little spacer piece on the back for mounting, and you can kind of get a drop shadow everywhere. And I just loved that, and it just how it just looks like a big sticker on the wall almost. And yeah, and it sticks I out. Love that. Yeah, and I think I think once I first started following you, I I hit you up and I asked you about how you make your colors so crisp. But this is like along with getting my curves really, really. I'm more of an approximate artist than like the the the. The whatever the polish stuff but like yeah. i really i always struggled with getting my paints that crisp and i how do you what is your secret man <laughs> uh layers is that what it yeah, is layers yeah so layers and undercoats so uh, i mean if you're doing a, a really nice yellow or orange like they don't cover great even if you have high quality paints like i use goldens and like still even but my best coverage i still got to do three layers generally wow 
Yeah, so three solid layers at least of each color, um, a good undercoat. So before our yellow or orange, like starch white, make sure it is an absolute perfect white. And then you're going to get less bleed. You're not going to get any bleed through and it's just, just going to build the yellow or the orange. And then reds coat like a uh, undercoat gray first. Oh, um, really? that just because uh, red covers for shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, red, like red, if you don't undercoat gray, like you're looking at five, six coats. So, yeah. And this is all the type of knowledge, too, that I, I would, as somebody who's done a lot of painting in my day, um, you obviously you have a better handle of it than I do, but you run into this stuff a lot. And it's very frustrating that you're like, why is this paint not covering this color? When I have a yeah. few paintings where I can see pencil lines behind the paint, and I'm like, yeah. how is that possible? <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, and I, I, that shit drives me insane. Like, I cannot have that. <laughs> it's just yeah. like an OTD thing, I guess. But how that's do you why, so like, if, all pencil lines. So how do you fix that? Sort of, actually, are you erasing them first, or just enough paint will eventually cover it? Enough paint will eventually cover it. I also um, don't draw directly on canvas ever anymore. I stencil or project, do all my drawing on the iPad. Oh, so you use a stencil. stencil or project. Yeah, keep graphite on canvas minimum because I fucking hate it because it just smears and just gets everywhere. And then it takes like, you know, extra coats of paint. Yeah, yeah. So, it also yeah. speaks to like, like I like. I always a lot. The first mistake I think a lot of artists make when they're trying to first learn is they they, they draw um too hard, like they push down too hard on their first few drawings, and then they can't erase yeah. it, and they're stuck staring at their mistake the whole time. And that's what happens whenever I put pencil on canvas, where you're just like, that thing's yeah. gonna be there till the end of time. I'll be dead, and that pencil will still be on that freaking canvas. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, starting to do it full time. Like I was just like, I gotta be more efficient. Like if I'm doing four paintings at once, I can't be drawing twice. Once on the iPad, once on the canvas. So stencil project, just do it like a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. And then so, you also get a lot more. You get like a lot more precise that way too. That's a good point. So when you say stencil and project, so you're projecting and you're painting based on the projection. Yeah, so I'll draw on the iPad and then bring it up on a projector, project it like just project on the canvas, get my lines, and then go from there. All right. So how do you not bump into it and have it move all the time? And maybe I'm just thinking of me and my size 13 shoes, but is it, is it like you have to keep it really perfectly lined up? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You got to make sure that's very fixed. So either like on a wall or, or easel, that's not going to move around. Yeah. Um, and also being pretty light on tracing the lines out as well. Now, just for all those people out there who, who who say that your art or anyone's art is overpriced, we've just talked about three or four skills that you have to do in this that are freaking tricky now like even mm -hmm. myself as an artist for my entire life like it like it would take me a long time to be able to get anywhere near the, with the saw that you're talking about the projection mm -hmm. stuff is, is tricky there's in like just all of that stuff is why art costs money because it's 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 like you it's really really hard to do something like that and it takes a lot of practice and a lot of learning so and a lot yeah of for thinking. sure yeah yeah i've always been a pretty like wing it kind of person so i want to learn something i'll just fucking learn it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. but I'm I'm also like blessed that I can do that. Like I know I not everyone can. Right, right. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like that too. And it works really well for stuff like art, but it works really poorly for stuff like skateboarding and shit like that. Like if it's something that I'm gonna like break a bone, I just I'm like, I can't do it because I need to I need to screw something up so many times before I learn it. I don't wanna like yeah. it's like if I know I'm gonna fall a hundred times, then it might break my drawing arm. So whatever. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm always injured. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah, still I made it to 44 without breaking a bone. So knock on wood. Hopefully we'll keep that going. Yeah, I only have I only got a minor fracture on one and then I'm pretty much break free, but I've done everything else. That's <laughs> multiple surgeries. Oh, that's no fun. Yeah, um, I had back surgery last year. It wasn't great. Oh, how are you feeling now? Pretty good. Yeah. That's like good. it's gonna be a lifelong problem problem, probably, but I mean it's manageable now and I can still play sports and all that shit. Well, that's so. good. That's good. Yeah. And now we get CBD and stuff to help. And that definitely helps some of my pain. So, yeah, you know, so what, um, all right. So when were, what, what was like the, I think I might've already asked this, but what, what pieces do you think really start getting, you said the Rick and Morty piece. And that actually made me think of something that I find with some of the mashups I do, there are, there's a few different, like when I do anything Wu-Tang related or Griselda related, and there's mm -hmm. like, and then MF Doom related, those yeah. strike really hard in a way that others don't. 
and you just oh, realize yeah. that there's a level of fandom there. I mean, do you have a few different fandoms in your head that you know are just going to be easier to sell than others? Or are you, or is it, yeah. you know, are you doing a lot of stuff on spec or how are you kind of like managing your time to make sure you get the stuff that's most going to get out there? Um, I, I don't really want to shoot for pieces that are just like, you're going to sell quick. And then if I do have that subject, like, like Simpsons, for example, like Simpsons almost always sell. Yeah. Um, but even if I'm doing that, I'm like, okay, I should do a Simpsons piece. I want to look at the lesser known characters almost a lot of the time, or like just, you know, the, the not super popular It's not like, you know, just the generic right. Bart, Lisa, Marge, Homer, right. um, which like they'll crush every time, but it's just. Yeah. But like, about like a stupid sexy Flanders or like one of those is like, really, someone's really going to go nuts over that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. Or like Millhouse or like you and Millhouse is a little popular but yeah those side characters are really what like shape and make the show because yeah okay. i don't know I, just, I love i love that and, just, I, and i'm a big fan of voice actors so i like hearing like what voice Me actors too. what else they can do yeah i'm obsessed with voice acting it's um i know that's like my favorite thing in a new animated movie i'm just like who's that i know that voice it's funny. So um, I have what I would call almost facial blindness because I've been watching How I Met Your Father for like for, since it started. And I just realized that, man, that Hillary Duff is not Mandy Moore. And like I, my girlfriend's like, what is wrong with you? But like I can recognize anyone's voice, like every car commercial. I'm like John Cena, Matthew McConaughey. I'm like, that's yeah. my thing is voices. Yeah. And like I voice acting to me, that's the ultimate gig. There's no better gig to have than voice acting. It's like, it's basically like what I'm doing now, except there's no camera. <laughs> like, and look yeah. at how I'm dressed when there is a camera. Imagine I'd be wearing yeah. if there wasn't one. So yeah. Voice acting is dope. I've always respected them a lot. Yeah. You got a good voice for it. You could do it. And you got some nice gravitas to your, uh, you know, so. Yeah. I'd love to. I've always like done impressions too. Like impressions has been like my thing. And... What do you got, man? You can't say that. <laughs> delivery. Off the top of my head. I can't do any. Really? But... You can't yeah. give me an impression. Why is it called a sandwich? Not made of sand. It's not made by a witch. See, I mean, I, could, I mean, I could do Archer, but I mean, you oh, know. God, I love Archer. <laughs> <laughs> Archer or Bob's Burgers. Yeah, yeah. If you can do one, you can pretty much do the other. Or I mean, or a Kronk. I haven't done Kronk in a while. Hey, Yzma. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want to get, I have a friend of mine from college um, who is the top Tom Cruise impersonator in like the world. Oh, he won the entertainment tonight contest he did it back in college back then like and it was cool. it's just hilarious and i don't know i'm gonna try to get him on at some point but impressions really fascinate me because i'm i mm -hmm. i'm a rapper too and i gotta listen to my own voice a lot so you definitely get to the point where i'm like i wish my voice didn't slur a little bit like that or i wish i didn't have like this quarter lisp that i have and then oh, you, when, yeah. you, when you hear somebody that's just command over their voice you're just like holy shit man like yeah some impressive stuff man R.I.P. Kevin yeah, Conroy. Still can't believe he's gone, man. The yeah. Batman. Yeah. Cedric so, Bader's now. Um. So for you, what were the characters that when you were a kid, like what got you into cartoons? Like what captured your imagination when you were younger? Uh, number one, first and foremost, is Mad Magazine. Really? Mad That's, Magazine. Oh, I had a lot of love me. for that. Yeah, yeah. Mad Magazine shaped me. Getting my dad's old ones. Um, I just I love like anything from the '60s to the '80s. It's yeah. just I'm infatuated with the illustrators, the writers, everything. Don oh. Martin. Yeah, Don Martin was a huge one. Yeah, the guy, big foldy, foldy feet and shit. Yeah, I have yeah. a um spy versus spy tattoo on my heel because I think Fuck that's yeah. like the fucking awesomest. I don't know. That shit never gets old. They put out this great anthology of that a few years ago, and I flipped through it so many yeah, times. Spy versus Spy is awesome. But you know, that's actually, like where I, that's where I got my eye for parody and stuff too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, is all that just yeah. silly goofiness, and I just always loved it. You know who was the biggest influence on me was I don't know if you remember from Mad Magazine Sergio Argonas who did Gru. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that dude, I have like eight issues of Gru sitting right here. It's like, this is this is what, this and Garfield is what got me going. And he drew, and yeah. Sergio's drawn in, I think, every issue of Mad, which is yeah. oh, absolutely yeah. incredible. Like Yeah, yeah, he's he's a he's an absolute animal. Yeah, and he writes his own stuff, too, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing, too, that I realized that the guy who he works with, Mark Evanier, I think, who was, who used to, who was an assistant to Jack Kirby for years, Mm -hmm. also wrote a lot of Garfield and Friends. So like I, for me the two things that got brought up on I got brought up on were written by the same person and I had no idea, which is yeah. a weird connection, but yeah, cool. 
Sergio too. People don't know he's got to be. I don't want to overage him, but if he, I wouldn't be surprised if he was if he was eighty or more at this point. He's he's. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Al Jaffe, I think, just died this year, not too long yes. ago. Yep. And he was hundred and something, I think. Yeah. He made it. Yeah, he made it. He had a good life. Yeah. Sergio um is also known as being the fastest illustrator. He does a lot of crowd scenes and he he's he was, I don't know if they yeah. ever really timed him, but that's what his, his nickname to fame is. And he's he's a kind of oh, a personality. He looks a little like guys are on a different level. Oh god, yeah. yeah. Right, like just crushing illustrations every month, like yeah. hundreds, like it's nuts, yeah. And I I'm had just um drawer in the world so i'm like oh i um few years ago i had um layla del duca who, who was my mentor she's an artist she did um uh god i can't even think of the name of the comic right now shutter for image and she's done a bunch of stuff for dc okay. and marvel and so i was trying kind of training because i want to be a comic artist but then i realized the reality of just how much that perkin hurts your hands like oh it's yeah the so volume you have to draw that is ridiculous right yeah and it's like We've all done paintings that we haven't, like commissions we probably haven't wanted to do because someone wanted to give us a lot of money and it's it's painful to do. But imagine doing that when your hand is also in pain and you're drawing like yeah. some comic that only eight people are going to read. It's a really tough, tough go at it. Yeah, so the ones well, that for are sure. I know, and I was in the same boat where I was like, oh, I'd love to draw comics. And then I kind of got into it. I was like, no. Right. What I immediately yeah. realized is that the, the best way to do comics is to get good at something else so that so that you can go to like Marvel or DC and be like, Hey, I have a name. Want to let me do a guest cover or something like that. Like the back door. it, yeah. I think is the way to do it. Cause I think it's like MTV where like they treat the people on their own network, like dirt and they treat the celebrities and the outside. Like they're awesome. Like yeah. I think that's yeah. the way you want to get in there. So, yeah, but I don't know. I'm giving career advice and something I don't know shit about. So hopefully <laughs> um, somebody does that. It doesn't blow up in their face. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, so yeah, so Mad Magazine. What um, what it was 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 the parodies? You think in general, like did, like was it the humor? Like it's um, you still read uh, all today, of it. Or? The parodies, the humor, the art, um, just the vibe they had for so long without having to run any ads in their magazines. All their That's ads nice. were like their own parody magazine or own mad, like Mad parody ads. And like I don't think it was until the late '80s they started getting ads, started putting ads in, just because inevitably they have to keep up and pay right. for shit right because it wasn't long after that that mar i guess it was in the 90s but marvel almost went out of business because they couldn't afford to because the paper it was a paper shortage and it was yeah. like so like the and i think it was from canadian paper like the um the margins became started getting so much more ridiculous as time went on and that's why you know like, i can't just, get into digital comics I, I like to hold it you know yeah yeah and like that in uh like i mean just ma magazine sales like just on a on a slow decline since tv right yeah like that was entertainment in the 60s and 70s was buying mad mags with your friends and reading them and shit right and then all of a sudden there's cartoons and all this bullshit on tv you don't need that anymore necessarily yeah yeah and now yeah. even tv like i find myself watching less and less television just because i mean i'm not even a video game player but a lot of people i'm sure play video games way more than they watch tv and it's like yeah i used to have the tv on regardless if i was watching tv it was on whether it's paying attention to or now, but now I only have it on when I actually want to watch something, which is I'm finding yeah. is less and less. You know? so, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I just have my, like, I just have shows I look forward to and that's pretty much all I watch unless just Simpsons background. Yeah. I would leave American dad on like, that's my yeah. show. That's my go-to show. I've seen every episode like a million times. It's just yeah. rolling, rolling through. There's, there's like two that I skip because they make me sad. And then I just keep going. Past. <laughs> yeah. yeah. American dad's good at yeah. definitely run through it three or four times yeah yeah have you ever done any american dad pieces because i'm in my head right now thinking about what i want to eventually have you commissioned to for me and i'm bouncing between the wrestler dan housen and something related to american dad okay yeah i've done uh i think a couple small roger pieces and yeah actually only i've only ever done a few rogers I might hit you up, hit you up either for a Dan Housen face or maybe a Klaus or something. Because um, cool, Klaus would be sweet. Yeah, that's one that I think that um people love Klaus or hate him. Yeah, he's great. Hey, yeah, yeah, he's he is a love to hate for sure. Yeah, yeah, take that Reddit. Who's, yeah. who's the worst character now? Steve. Fuck, I oh. hate Steve. Oh really? I feel like, I, I, I feel the way just... about like Ted Mosby on like how I met your mother. I'm like I can't even watch the show. I hate you so much. But Steve, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Steve's voice. It, it's Steve's Steve? voice and mannerisms that get me. Just the crying and the yelling. I'm just like shut the fuck up. But he is hilarious. 
Yeah. You know, what's a funny, a, story? Character. Yeah, a funny story about um, that happened to me recently about that voice actor. And I can't think of his name right now, but um, the guy that is Steve. So I always had, this is kind of a long way around to get back to this, but I have no memory or for most of my life, I had no memory of ever believing in Santa Claus. Like I know I must have when I was a little kid and yeah. um but like i just had no memory of it and um but so this my my girlfriend and i were watching christmas movies this year and she dug up one that i that i realized that i had blacked out of my brain because it was the movie that told me that there was no santa it was like the oh, yeah. night they saved christmas or something it was a tv movie from like the 80s and we watched it and one of the main characters is steve is the guy who voices steve as like a little kid which i thought was pretty fucking weird but yeah, so yeah. I blacked out realizing Santa didn't exist for 30 years and had like a, a brain. My brain like did something very weird when it, that all came together during the watching of that movie. Yeah, no doubt. You could almost feel it like reprogramming. So yeah. I know. So um let's talk about your tattoo stuff because you mentioned that you're now apprenticing to become a tattoo artist, uh, yeah. which is awesome. Like I imagine your stuff probably translates really cool to tattoos, the bold colors, the strong lines, like I mean, it would look great on covering someone's arm. Like, what? Um, what? What's going on with that? Um, yeah, I'm hoping to eventually move into that. Right now, I'm starting uh, with American Traditional and Neotrad, uh, just to learn the fundamentals of tattooing and what looks good, what's going to hold, what's going to last. Um, and I just, it's it's a really awesome and fun way to learn the culture too, and just like the history of it all. So learning traditional tattoos and traditional subject matter is kind of what I'm focusing on now. You know, so skulls. What, what falls into the, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix some like anchors or something on like a sailor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same, same, same. Like all the classics you think of Sailor Jerry type stuff. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, moving into putting my spin on those and seeing just how I tattoo. Because what I do now with the cartoon stuff it will translate well the tattoo i think it's just going to be different right like there's illustrative lines are going to be have to done be done in two passes and uh color packs are going to have to be planned out if there's hard shades and stuff like that so good point yeah yeah, yeah. so i want to learn all the fundamentals and just you know how to pull lines what looks good on the skin um how to work skin all that kind of stuff first before i get into something a little more complex and specific have you ever, have you inked anybody yet? Have you actually? I've tattooed myself um, six, seven times. Um, just way back when and not the proper way. But uh, so I kind of have an idea of what not to do. <laughs> that's that's the way I learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I drew I, all I, these I, on with a Sharpie before we started. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um. But yeah, I have, uh, I've been working at, like my studio space has been in like a tattoo shop for the last two years. So I'm, um, I'm pretty much just getting grandfathered in by people who are like, why the fuck aren't you tattooing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's I just, a great you know, way to make a living as an artist. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably one of the better yeah. ones. And I it. wanted to establish myself before going down that road. I wanted to have, uh, clients and collectors. So when I do start tattooing, it won't be such a grind to like right. build that clientele base yep that's a so i yeah. feel like i've gotten you know a little bit of clientele building and respect and establishment as an artist prior so yeah hoping that'll just help kind of help me come out swinging in a way yeah yeah i mean i don't see a, i don't see a whole lot of tattoo artists that both tattoo and sell like the way that you do so i mean that's a, i mean mm -hmm. that is a great way to cross market yourself i'm sure there's people who've already bought yeah. your art that if they want it on their wall like you probably put it on their on your body on their body oh so. for sure yeah 100 percent we have people who are saying they're like, cause I have collectors across Canada. So there's people who want to travel to get tattooed. So that'll be awesome. Great. So what, um, what are the, how long of a process is that? Cause obviously you're a very talented artist. You don't have to learn lines, stuff like that, you know, all that, but what, like if you were to just go about it the way that you think you should and taking the time, how long do you think you'd be before you'd probably be tattooing people? Uh, that all depends on the mentor, I guess on the mentor. And, um, your progress and whatever so i'm supposed to be starting a tattoo like myself and uh like dudes around the shop or whatever uh september 1st so that's about three months of just apprenticeship so sitting in on tattoos doing setups for people learning proper sanitation uh routines and methods all that kind of stuff how to dispose of sharps properly and 
So I, I so I can, I definitely know how you can learn all of that stuff. But how do you how do how do they mark growth in terms of this person's ready to draw something permanently without needing an eraser? Because is like how do you how do they know you're ready for that aspect of it? Um, like trust, I guess, trust and faith. Just being like, okay, this is he's putting out good work on paper for a long time and understands the subject matter. So when you sit down to do one of these on paper. Is it like a no erase rule or like, how do you, how do you sort of approach it in a way that you're learning how to tattoo versus, you know, just creating a final image where you're going to move stuff around? Well, I think that kind of comes down like to just the line work. Like when you're doing line work is just pulling lines, point A to point B, mm-hmm. matching up properly, shit like that. Not uh, just being efficient with it. Cause when it comes to drawing and penciling, like, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's just like a race until it's perfect. Right. It's not like, you know, once you got the stencil on, you know where your lines are going. Yeah. So it's not like that's going to vary it or you have to do any like kind of freehand stuff other than maybe minor adjustments if you make a mistake, whatnot. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, uh, so what, what tattoos did you give yourself? Uh, you tattoos show like this, these three on my hand here. <laughs> I did. Yeah, so and there's then... probably very limited places you can actually tattoo yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. And then I got like I know, six on my leg that I've done as well. They're garbage, but they're also good opportunities to practice when I do start hitting the machine again to fix yeah. it up. And yeah, good opportunity for touch ups. You know, it's a good, yeah, it's, exactly. it's a good way to learn. You're very motivated yeah. to do it. So, what was your fat first tattoo you ever got? Um, this one on my arm here. Just my family name on my forearm. Ah, cool. you know, I was 15 when I got it. We're all, everybody, whenever I ask that question, people will always give me these ages that like, I think about what I was doing when I was 15 and there was no realistic way. And I lived in a state where it was illegal to get tattooed in Massachusetts up until the year 2000. Oh, okay. But, um, but even if it wasn't, I couldn't have, how do you get tattooed at 15? <laughs> you just got to find someone who's willing, which is usually not the greatest. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I remember, I think some standup comedian told a joke about like, I'm going to ask when I'm underage, we're asking somebody for, um, to buy them booze. I'm going to ask a guy on a date so that he looks so that the guy doesn't want to look uncool in front of his date. So he'll definitely buy it. And it's like, who are these people that are like willing, like, I would never do anything illegal for like a 15 year old kid. Like, I just yeah, like, no, I'm just like, sure. you don't want to mess with kids, like no matter what, but like, there's always yeah. some dude. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty frowned upon. I mean, unless you have like a lot of parental permission, but even still, like, I'm not really sure the parameters of that. It's kind of like, well, you either do, you don't, I think I'm not sure our shop tattoos anyone under 18, even with parental consent. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't blame them. It's like, it's, I I didn't get a tattoo until I was like 38 and I'm kind of glad. And now it's like, I'm like, I can go nuts because, you know, like I'm already halfway through my life. It's like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Only have to, to live with in the back half. I'm like, I know my job. I don't care. Yeah. You know what's so funny I'll, too? I'll my, my face tattooed. Yeah, it looks cool. You know what's funny too is um I've had people say, Well, what if you get something and you just don't like it? And I what I have had this weird thing that's happened every time. You know, I worry about that a little bit, but my brain just does this thing where as soon as it's on me, it's like, it's always been there. Like my brain yeah. just sort of accepts it as part of my body in a weird way that it's like, it almost can't picture it. I can't really just, dis- and I'm sure there's some people staring at something on their arm where they're going like, Jesus fucking Christ. I wish that thing wasn't on me, but I mean, yeah. these just feel like a part of me, you know? Yeah, for sure. This, I do something I, where I get like an outline of a leaf every time I visit a new state, but unfortunately I started doing it right before COVID. So I only had eight of them. So oh, I yeah. plan some trips out of state to uh, um, get some more, but cool. That's yeah. a cool project. Yeah. It gives me an excuse to get out of the house and actually go visit places in the world, which is not something I would probably do on my own, but. You know. Yeah. That's one thing I'm looking forward to tattooing is traveling conventions. So how, like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So actually, I want to ask you that. So did you, have you, you, obviously I'm in Massachusetts. I know about your work. Like, did you start doing yourself locally and then start an online presence? And if so, what was it like growing an online presence outside of people that you, you know, kind of know from? Uh, slow at first, but I mean, certain subject matter, like Rick and Morty kind of just popped into, into feeds and got me a bunch of followers. And then I pumped my followers up by doing giveaways for a while. 
like with uh with people who sold glass or blue glass so it was like collaborative giveaways so you kind of get access to other people's followers so what's an effective giveaway strategy like what's um if somebody wanted to do a giveaway like myself who has some flash t-shirts that i made they tie-dyed and screen printed i wanted to give away i was going to ask chat gpi this question later today but i'll ask you what's a good strategy for doing a giveaway on instagram that helps you get more followers partner up with someone Okay. So basically you do something together and yeah, walk me through it. I'm not going to speculate. Yeah. So partner up with someone, I would say that, um, a A has like a decent amount of followers and B not the same market as you, but similar, like something that would kind of vibe with it, you know, like not Um, like direct competitors, but like, like, you know, like a brother sister relationship, like, you know, yeah. Cause I mean, direct competitors or if they're doing something that, um, like is similar to you, you may already share a lot of the same followers, right? So you want, you want access to untapped followers essentially, right? Who are going to be like, Oh, I just discovered this. I knew people are going to stick around and not just follow you just for the giveaway and then unfollow you, which happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So something like that partner up with people. Um, and like, yeah, make sure you have rules that, uh, you know, like and share rules. Like, if you don't like and share it, like, if you just drop a comment and don't like and share, like, you ain't fucking entered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you, you need, it's like, it's not a big ask, people. Like, no, it's not. But, like, also, it's a huge ass asking people just to read because they don't. Right. They just it is. give away and they're like, comments, and then didn't read the rules. And it's like, you're not entered. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then they're mad at you for some reason. <laughs> you're like, yeah. oh my God. Not That's one thing that I struggle with is, um, and it sounds like you're a little. Clear. I like post them twice where yeah. I post the rules twice and it's like, you can't read that. It's on you homeboy yeah, or girl. Yeah. It sounds like you're probably a little better at it than I am, but like I, I have, I kind of hate dealing with the general public. Like I hate the idea that any random person might show up to want to buy something off of me. Cause there's just some people that I just, I don't know. I, I just, I've been lucky with the clients that I have. But yeah. you definitely run into some people out there with some whacked expectations, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. And you just gotta learn to stand your ground. Yeah, yeah. Or just or and like right, like I've gotten pretty good at just acknowledging uh who's gonna be who's gonna work and who's not. Like just by the first few first few like lines of conversation, I'll just be like, eh, this is a no for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have money, but like I don't want to go through the headache. Right. And that's a nice feeling. It's like the yeah. not only the being paid full time to do the art you want to do, be able to say no to people in that. That's a whole. That's like a little closer to the. Well, and sometimes, well, and sometimes it hurts too, right? Sometimes it hurts. It's like I, I'm gonna have to take a pay cut or not make money here be, just because I don't want the fucking headache and stress and loss of energy. But it is that too, because it's like there's some. I think there have been times in my life where I've thought when I was younger, as long as I'm drawing. I, as long as I'm drawing, I'll do, I'll draw whatever for a living. And it's like, you're like, as long as I get art doing some sort of drawing, I'll be happy. But you realize pretty quickly that's not really true. After I've drawn like my 50th dog of somebody who's passed away or like their baby, I'm just like, if I draw one more of these, the portrait for somebody, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. Oh yeah. I stopped doing pet portraits at a yep. certain point. I was like, nope, no more. Yep. This right. just doesn't bring me any joy. Right. Right. It's, it's just yeah. like. You know, I mean, I, I love drawing like my own cats, but I'm I'm done drawing other people, especially the recently deceased animals. I'm like, I don't need to take yeah. on this emotional toll. I want to draw cartoon character that's going to live forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so what are you yeah. um what are you working on now? Besides mm, tattooing, I have a Phantom of the Paradise piece I'm doing. If you ever seen that movie, it's a I rock opera. Oh, I highly recommend it. It's a it's just a tradition. Me and my dad watch it every year. But uh, it's like one of definitely one of my favorite movies. I'm doing a commission of it finally, which is awesome. Um, I have a few tattoo style cutouts I'm working on. Uh, Two of them sold. And one of them kind of just on the back burner. Um, And then just, yeah, drawing a lot of flash. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, yep, for a moment, then, I thought you meant the character Flash, and I got excited. He's my favorite comic. Oh, <laughs> no, just Flash, tattoo Flash. A lot of skulls, a lot of roses. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so what um let me ask you too about do you ever sell in, in person? Have you ever done any pop-ups or any any done any art shows or anything like that? Uh there's a few times I've gone vending, but I generally don't uh don't like doing it. I hate it. I do it at tattoo conventions now because I'm like I'm an apprentice at the booth, so I'll put like my prints and stickers out for sale. 
but paintings like no like it's just at a place like that for pop-ups like no one's coming there to drop 600 to a grand right on a painting so it's just like it's just a waste of time for me and rather sell privately and be in the studio working right and just but, too um, i found with moving your paintings it's inevitable something's going to get dented or broken you may end up with like less than you yeah. you know if you put a little hole in one of your pieces you know yeah yeah exactly yeah it's just too much of a hassle a lot of times you have to pay for a booth and it's just like i'd rather just keep everything at home and work yeah that's the dream too is being able to do it all from your house yeah yeah. Are you able to do, like, can you do your full setup? I, I struggled for years. I lived in apartments and I couldn't, like, spray paint because, like, I just didn't know what yeah. to do it. Can you do everything in, in your home? Um, No, like, that's why I got the studio. Oh, yeah, you said you have a studio that's next to a tattoo. Yeah, you have a studio. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we got a little bit of outdoor areas I can do that in. I don't do a whole lot of spray painting. If I do, it's just a lot of accent work, just, like, little tiny sprays and drips and overspray yeah. for backgrounds, but, uh, or clear coats. But yeah, so I mean, I can do everything I need to in the studio. Um, I can work from home as well, like just do my iPad shit or just bring small paintings home and paint on the on the table. But what was that like getting the keys to your studio for the first time? Yeah, it was sick. Yeah, it was nice to have a place to go because I worked out of my living room for years. <laughs> Destroyed the... an apartment. Yeah, there's something about working in the like working in the same place that you're supposed to be doing other things your world just sort of blends in a way that becomes uncomfortable it feels like you're never quite yeah. relaxing or you're never quite not working yeah for sure it's like i i i attribute it or relate it to like going to the gym like you know having a home gym is like when you're going to a gym like you're there to work out right right where it's like we're at home and you're like my tv's right there my kitchen's right there my work's right there it's like there's too many options Yep, being out of yep. studio it's like i'm here to work i'm gonna work yeah yeah and it makes it especially too i'm guessing you're probably like me an artistic type you kind of like you know a little adhd sort of you know in that oh, realm of, yeah it's like yeah. To put a little bit of discipline around your day isn't really a bad thing no it's great and the apprenticeship right now i'm loving getting me back into routine and work ethic so what is what is the best thing about your life as an artist? Like what where and to where do you find like your most gratitude from your art? Time freedom. Yeah. Freedom of time to be able to just fucking go anywhere and do anything whenever I want if I have the money and you know, not have a schedule. Be like, oh I know I actually gotta work. She's yeah. like, actually I don't. I can just do whatever and stay out there until I run out of money. <laughs> And then also like vacations, right? I can still do my digital work on vacations or smaller, smaller projects. Yeah. So every time I do go on vacation or go somewhere, like I have that ability to keep making money while doing so. So yeah, it's a beautiful feel. I talked to someone a few weeks ago who um he's full he's full-time artist. He draws on dollar bills. His name is Abtil. I don't know if you've seen his work, but he does like doll he does his really he I mean, he does like similar to you. He has his really, really crisp lines and his really popping colors. I love it and I'm envious of yeah. it. But I mean, he was down in um some islands, the Canary Islands off of Spain. He's like, I'm down here for a month, just drawing on dollar bills, like, you know, on vacation Ooh. from the UK. And he's just like, That's the friggin' life, man. Like just Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. I don't know. Where do you like to go when you travel? Um generally just like BC. I'll go see see my friends in BC. Yeah. Which is nice because it's nicer weather, mountains. Yeah, I don't kind of to go there. I've only yeah, for Canada, I've only ever been to Montreal and Toronto. And it's been like oh, first time I went to Montreal. I was my, it was eight, I was like 19 on New Year's Eve. Didn't realize quite how cold it was gonna be, but it was oh, yeah. insane. Yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, it gets nasty here too. Yeah. Um BC's awesome. It's like I don't know, I've never been to Colorado, but I've just heard it's just like it's very similar to Colorado. Oh, I love Colorado. Spent a lot of time there. A bunch of hippies and kind of progressive people. And yeah. Well, that's yeah. what's sort of funny about um, I'm not to like stereotypize your entire country, but you know, you know the show Letter Kenny? Oh yeah. Like the idea of um progressives and hicks together, I think is so beautiful. And it, it's like you don't yeah. see that in like American culture. And I that's one of my favorite shows. I actually got um yeah. Riley to do a little intro for me for an album that I have coming out next year where he, oh, he cool. calls me a clown. I'm very excited about that. And I actually yeah, have a song cool. called The Wheel Snipe Sally coming out soon. But um I love I love that's what I love so much about that show is that it's like it's not it's like it's like fictionally located not that far from me but we don't see progressive hicks at all in America and I think it's that's a yeah. I don't know so 
Well, you don't see them a lot here either. That's just TV. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there is some, obviously, but it's funny because, like, Letterkenny is, like, a lot of, like, that's, like, prairie people. So, like, kind of where the province I'm from and, and surrounding. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Farmers and... What are, like, misconceptions you think um, non-Canadians have about growing up in Canada? I don't know. Pretty stereotypes are pretty bang on, honestly. <laughs> nice people, Tim Hortons, Hosers, yeah. Strange Brew. <laughs> yeah, straight up, man. Yeah. Maple syrup. How are you doing? Are you are you anywhere near those wildfires? Uh no, we still get the smoke from them though. Yeah. yeah. So like you'll we'll have smoky ass days where it's just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The air quality around that now is like a 53. And I was, I was thinking about going to the Bronx tomorrow to meet up with some friends and it's going to be like 150 air quality down there. I'm like, that's, that's, that's not good. So no. Yeah. You know, it's great to have to make decisions based on that, but that's the world that we're frigging living in. So it is. Yep. Yeah. So what are you, so what are your, some of your, and I will probably be wrapping up pretty soon, but what are, what are your, some of your goals? Like artistically, where do you, I mean, obviously you're doing the tattoo stuff, but like, you know, yeah. You got a lot more career left to fill, a lot more life left to live. What do you want to do with it? Uh, I've never really been like a super forward future thinker. Like I've always just wanted to make a living doing this and I'm happy doing that. And if I'm happy being comfortable making a living and if like more comes, like that's awesome, but never, ever wanted to be famous. It just seems like a fucking headache. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to make a comfortable living doing what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be famous happy. enough that people give you money, but not famous enough that it ruins your trip to the grocery store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just be comfortable. That's always been the goal. Just kind of be able to do what I want when I want. Yeah. To a degree. So what else you got on tap for today? going to be working on tattooing stuff or? No, I'm going to work at the weed store actually with my buddy. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I got to leave pretty in like an hour. So, what's uh, what's an ounce go for up there now? Uh, anywhere like on the legal store, anywhere from sixty to two hundred. What a time to be! I know I said it before, but it's like, it's because it's the same range here where it's like you can get like the the super cheap ones sometimes, but like it's to get an ounce for like under a hundred dollars, it's it's. I know it's wild. It's like, I know it's wild. way better than any stuff I got back in the day too. So yeah, like it was like 200 bucks an ounce, like solid when I was yeah. in high school. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. up there too. Cause I mean, I'm sure that's a big, you know, that's, I'm sure that's always been a big weed area, right? Up in where you're from. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty big. BC is more like the land of opportunity for weed, but now that it's everywhere it's it's everywhere yeah yeah you're full you're full country lie lied wide legalization right yep yeah we still don't even have that yeah we still got tons of states that like you can still get arrested yeah. in and it's you know in case you've noticed there are some problems with my country um i'm not gonna yeah. get into them now but um, we're struggling through some things so check back in with us in a couple of years and see how we're doing um, yeah no doubt if we're, if we're still here so yeah oh that's still a- weird yeah, and one thing too, do you make music? Because I don't think there's that many people with your exact name out there. And I found a SoundCloud page, but I wasn't sure if that was you or not. Uh, no, I don't. I I used like I used to love playing guitar and doing music. High school, that was my artistic outlet. Yeah, what type of what what type of stuff do you used to play? Um, I really like playing blues. Uh, a lot of stoner rock, like stoner rock, stoner metal, doom metal. Do you like um, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats? Uh, I haven't listened to a whole lot, but they're pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. They're one of my favorites. That's the yeah. first thing I think of. When I think of that stuff. I saw them in Colorado a few years ago and I was right up front and I was fucking I got to leave the house again sometime soon, but yeah. Um, I know studio is good for that. Yeah. So, all right, man, anything else you want to touch on while we're here? No, I think we covered pretty much everything, man. Yeah. Cool, man. It's been a total pleasure. Um, I'm going to put some of your pictures up during this and I'll have your social media stuff out and anybody who wants to reach out to you. I mean, how are you looking? You're taking commissions now. I mean, this is going to be September, so it's tough to tell. Yeah. Commissions are are pretty much closed now just because I have, I have to wrap everything up before that, before I start tattooing and kind of transition to that. So I've got a few big projects coming up to kind of finish me out. So all right, well, follow him now so you know when, when commissions start going live, when you know when he starts doing tattooing. And, uh, man, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. You're so yeah, freaking talented. And it's I hope um, I hope you just keep getting better and blowing up and all that great shit. So, man, 
That's awesome. the plan. Cool, man. It's been a pleasure. Right on, brother.